Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Canberra Business Podcast. Jonathan Doherty, once again, great to be your host. Great to have the pleasure of your company. I hope you've been enjoying recent episodes. There's been some absolute gold. I think I have the best job in the world. I get to introduce, interview really interesting people, and I hope that it's just bringing some genuine value to your business journey. I think uh, this podcast is about encouraging, supporting you. It's about telling the stories of great Canberra business people. It's about building businesses that impact their community, that bring wealth and value to to you, to your staff, to the wider Canberra community. So thanks for all that you do in your business journey. I know you don't hear that very often, and it sounds a bit abstract, but without business owners like you showing up every day doing what you do, then the world would be a very different place. So I hope that this uh, Canberra Business Podcast is just bringing value to you. Now, this week we have another fantastic guest. We've got Pat Quaid from the Synergy Group. Synergy is doing amazing work in the accounting, the financial services sector. If you've been in Canberra for a while, I'm sure you've come across them. And uh, this time with Pat is just a really interesting discussion about his, uh, his background, about how he built this business, uh, the people he built it with, how they resolve difficult conversations, you know, how they build a sense of culture within the Synergy organisation. So, as always, lots of stuff there. Look, housekeeping from me, do me a favour, would you please subscribe to the podcast, wherever you're listening to this right now, Apple Podcasts, Android, Google Play, some obscure podcast player I've never heard of, we're probably there as well. So just subscribe for me, and also there's a really simple little email subscribe box on the podcast page. You only get one email when we release a new episode. We are not uh, spamming you with tons of useless stuff. It's just simply to let you know that the next episode is ready. So please subscribe. Please share this with people. Really trying to get the word out. Just I want more and more Canberra business people to hear these stories and to be encouraged by them. Uh, Also, please check out uh, the website at canberraexecutivecoaching.com. If you feel stuck at any point in your business, if you need some help with mindset coaching, with strategy, business strategy, you're just feeling stuck and you need an outside voice to work with you to move you or your business forward, then please reach out to me personally through the website. That's it from me, so just sit back now, relax, enjoy this really interesting discussion with Pat Quaid from Synergy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Canberra Business Podcast. Once again, I've got Pat Quaid with me from Synergy Group. Pat, things are busy over there. You guys have been building, right? Yeah, we have. Last uh, well, last five or six years have actually been, been rather it's been busy. Pretty you enjoying the ride? Yeah, look, trying to sort of hang on to the tiger, tiger's tail, yeah, so yeah, to speak. Yeah. So, so trying to keep up with it, but um, yeah, absolutely enjoying it. Yeah. You get stressed? Absolutely. You do? Yeah. Oh, look, the, the sleepless nights where you, uh, you wake up at 2 a.m. and you're thinking about, well, what's, what's, what's going on tomorrow and, and how we're going to... How are we going to deliver on that particular requirement? No, that's uh, that's would, a challenge. I would love to say that's terrible, but I actually, that was me last night, 2 a.m. I'm just going, I just woke up at 2 a.m. There's a lot going on, and people sort of think, you know, business is like a license to print money, and it's just fields of unicorns and rainbows, but there's uh, there's a fair bit that keeps you awake at night. But let's get to the backstory. Synergy is becoming a great Canberra success story, and here on the podcast, we're a huge fan of free enterprise. We think the more success you have, the more wealth you generate, the more that the community builds, people can build family life and all sorts of good stuff. So it's growing. How did it start? Take us back to the start of Synergy. Give us the backstory. Yeah, so look, like, like most businesses in Canberra, Canberra's, or like, Synergy's definitely not a uh, an overnight success story. I think we've been around since 1999, where we originally kicked off as a, a, a smaller sort of two-man band. And originally just a, a tax-effective structure to, to get out there and, and deliver some work. And I suppose... I was 12 months out of university, didn't really know anything any better. I thought, hey, look, I can see what the, the Price Waterhouses, the, the KPMGs and the others do. 
there's no good reason why I can't do that. Um, so what did you start the, the minute when you that first bit of time out of university? What did you do first? That first sort of time. So look, months? basically took a took a contract opportunity. So so went through the, the graduate intake programs and, uh, and the other bits and pieces, and, and had a couple of offers there, but never really sort of growing up in a, in a family that was always self employed and, and running own businesses. Yeah, really didn't like the like the idea of working for someone. Sort of thought that uh, success was about sort of having your own business, having your own thing, and and doing what you want to do. And so the took took twelve months to to think about it, and mm. then met up with a, a gentleman, Anthony Wilson, and he sort of provided the opportunity to kick synergy off at that time together. So, so take us back even further. How many in the family? Did you? How many you yeah, so myself and my three brothers. Okay, uh, or two brothers, two other brothers. Yeah, so there's yeah. three of us. And what's the um, age gap? So myself, uh, then eighteen months to to my middle brother, yep. and then six years to my youngest brother. Okay, and so. competitive memories growing up. We yeah, look, we were always always a, a sort of sporting family and, yeah. a, and a fun family. You know, grew up in a in a house where dad raced cars. And, oh, really? And we yeah, always played competitive football, competitive basketball, any any yeah, sort of yeah. sport. You know, always running around out the front or, okay. or riding riding BMX bikes up and down the streets. So and you're still a car guy? Uh, not so much a car guy. The, uh, I enjoy enjoy nice things, but. I think they're more means of transport these days. Okay, so, yeah, uh, it's funny that some people get absolutely obsessed by it when interviewing someone last week. So, is your dad still around? Yeah, he's still around. Yep, yep, yep. No, still based in Canberra. Is he working or is he he's retired? No, he's taking things pretty easy these days. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And was we're looking back at him because one of the first podcasts we did with Jason from Evo, he his dad was in petroleum, and Jason took a lot of messages from watching him. Do you look back in your your what, what you grew up with? What were some of the key messages you think looking at family life, your father? What did you pick up from your home life that you've transferred that, that's come with you? Look, I suppose the uh, the overall work ethic. You know, if you if you if you really sort of put the effort in and and, and try hard, that uh, you're always going to get the, the the results and the rewards that uh, that are there and available. So why not? Why do that? I mean, there's so many people. It's not judgmental. So many people don't have that mindset. What is attractive to you about this relationship between personal effort and result? Why not just do something else? What 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 has inspired you to kind of make this happen? It's a sense of sense of ownership and actually being able to make a difference. Yeah. So, so being able to sort of sit down at the end of the day and say, "Hey, look, I did that." Yeah. Um, or I and we more so yeah. recently than than I, but yeah, been a sense of achievement and. Also being able to win, so again that, that natural competitiveness. Yep. So being able to say, "Hey, look, I I took one step more than than, than somebody else." Yeah. Uh, this is something that motivates me. What is the essence of that competition for you? Like, you know, com- competitiveness can trip over into compulsive behaviour for some people, but you've been it, it, it's driven you to create something and build a culture that's that's having a big impact. Yeah. What is competition for you? What what is it about competition that that, that lights you up and gets you moving? Look, I think it's that, 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 that those continued successes. So it's the, it's the little tiny wins throughout the day. You know, you, you you win a job here. You you see somebody get a sense of satisfaction from learning a new skill. Yeah. One of the one of the core values that we sort of hold hold there in in synergy is is an abundance mentality. Yeah. And I think it sort of differentiates us from from sort of some of our our competitors in the market. And so much as we don't need every last piece of work, we don't need every 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 person to come and work with us. We just need to be able to deliver the the, the outcomes that we do, or the quality that we do, and we know that we're going to end up with more than our fair share. So what uh, is that? For, what, abundance mentality. Firstly, where did you learn that? that? I mean, in the personal development space, that's relatively well known. Where do you think you learn that? You know, a lot of people move in lack. They move. They they move in scarcity. So it's a mindset of I've got to get everything I can because there isn't enough to go around. Where did you learn an abundance mentality? I think it was probably just an awareness of what our clients were after. So, yeah. so, so being able to work with the, the market and know that, look, they're after an outcome. Yeah. And they're not interested in, in squabbling between the, the suppliers and they're not interested in, in, in people trying to, trying to do things to them. They mm-hmm. want, they want partners. Uh, so they want us to come in and work with them to deliver an outcome. 
And again, much of our business is actually about lifting them up and, and making them successful, not about individual glory for ourselves. And you can't fake that, right? I, re- I got a feeling that, that in business, I posted something about this today. If you're not trying to get the win for other people, eventually it falls apart, right? Like, how do you sustain that? We're going to talk about the culture and more of the backstory, but how do you sustain in your own people this idea of we're here to genuinely get a result for the people who are who are employing us? I think part of that goes back to, to picking the right people to begin with. Yeah. So so making sure that you've got the, the recruitment processes in place, making sure that you've got that well, fundamentally cultural assessment yeah. to be able to flag the right people. Um, so this is coming back to, you know, Jim Collins is getting the right people on the bus in the first place and then getting them on the right seats. When you're bringing people into this synergy culture and anybody listening to this, this is an important question because you can apply it to any business what are you looking for specifically in your people? So we've got to have the, the, the professional ability, the, the underlying work ethic, but they certainly need to be able to have fun, know when, when work starts and stops. Yeah. Uh, also, look, I guess consulting is very much a people business. So, so being able to have that, that good rapport, that, that good interpersonal skill set and, and then being able to, to, to work as, as part of a, a bigger team is really important to us. You talked about, like, I mean, some of the, the, the stuff we've talked about in, in the prep is you know, we've got this abundance mentality, this belief that... There's enough work to go around. Mm-hmm. If we're doing a great job, we're going to get the right kind of clients. We're going to bring the right people onto, you know, into the culture. You also mentioned self-belief. This is a big one. Was this from how you grew up? Like you have a belief that if you work hard enough, if you surround yourself with the right people, you can get a result. Where's your self-belief come from? Oh, look, it probably doesn't come from anywhere in particular. It probably yeah. does come from the, the, the whole lifestyle as a, as a child and, and, and going up, growing up through life. You know, it's something that I've always had. Yeah. Always, always been in a supportive place. And then I guess always been able to get results. Yeah. So, you know, whether, whether we're at school or whether we're on the sporting field, you know, if you, if you play as a team or, and you, and you do your training and you, and you do all the hard work, then the, then the results come. So yeah. it's probably a bit of a, a self-fulfilling prophecy per se if you, if you yeah. get a few successes on the board, then the, the self-belief grows and then yeah. you, you, you take bigger risks. And yeah, and it's a momentum thing, isn't it? It's like, like you said, once you get a few wins and things start to come together, you get a sense of, I've done this once, I can do it again. Absolutely. I can always rebuild. So what are you enjoying at the moment about the place that you're in with Synergy? I'll take my hat off to you because I look at the size of what you're building with, with your team and, and – uh, you know the sleepless nights and stuff, but what do you enjoy about this phase? I think the uh, the diversity. So I think we sat there probably six or seven years ago and said, "Look, well, we want to be Canberra's number one Commonwealth accounting firm." And we're sitting there with a group of accountants and auditors and a little bit of little bit of systems capability, but but not a lot more. Mm. And I think sort of got off the plane this morning after going to Sydney last night with our our new creative team. Yeah. Uh, after they've delivered a, one of the ads on on Gruen. Yeah, uh, yeah so awesome, there's yeah. something fundamentally different to, to what we what we used to do and what we yeah. what we used to be, yeah. but a real addition to capability and just something really exciting yeah. in terms of being able to offer a, a, a broader range of skills and services to the the, the Commonwealth market. So. so for you, what is the essence of this building? You know, some people are like you know I want to be a one person operator. They, what is it about growth and building that really excites you? What do you love about it? Yeah, look, it, it took us a while to actually realise that we, we could do more with more people. Yeah. Uh, I know it sort of sounds sounds a little bit sort of silly, but uh, being able to to run a full transformation activity from, from end to end yeah. or being able to, to drive a, a project of, a, of, of significance and a, and a reasonable size comes with having the, the right skill set and the right mix of skill sets. And that co- concept of risk, like you go way back to Michael Gerber's E-Myth, one of those seminal books for entrepreneurs is – 
you know, getting yourself replaced as quickly as possible and moving into higher leverage work all the time. Like, firstly, you, you know, you've obviously moved out of that place of doing everything yourself and you bring more people on. How do you juggle this sense of risk? You know, you've got your payroll, you've got all this stuff happening. You've got obviously great people looking at the numbers, but but how do you approach risk personally? How do you actually, when, you, when you're awake at 2 a.m. or you've got a big decision to make, what's your relationship with risk? Look, I think it's, it goes back to that, that, that belief comment earlier on is that we, we, we tend to be reasonable risk takers in, in terms of what we, what we take on. Mm. But we put in place the, the processes to identify when it's failing. Yeah. If it isn't working, then we, then we call it early and we, we walk away in a, in, a, in a way that works. And what's that decision-making process in Synergy? Like you have got, from my understanding, you've got a lot of very capable people. You've got a lot of, you know, dare I say, there'll be some strong personalities and that's how the growth happens, right? You've got people that know their own mind. They know the directions they want to go. When it comes to this big decision-making, mergers and acquisitions, growth, what are some of the key elements of this decision-making process as a group? Like how do you, how have you found over time that you guys have juggled that, that those personalities? How do you do it? I think we've got a, a, a very complementary set of personalities at, at, at play there. So we've, we've got some people that are big picture thinkers. We've got some people that are, that are detail focus we've got the risk averse skill sets and 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 things that come to the fore so being able to get all those opinions on the on the one page but being able to respect each other's views on it and, and does that happen i mean there's obviously there must have been times when there's some pretty what i use what i call in my marriage robust conversations so I think, <laughs> <laughs> do you have a couple of those occasionally absolutely but also, look i think that's an important part of business if you, if you can't be open full and frank then yeah. then you shouldn't be in business together yeah. and being able to pull together partners that you actually you respect their opinion and, and you value their opinion is, is, is essential to success uh, because if you're one person, well, you, you really, really can't can't succeed. You can't do uh, it because you don't have that diversity. I've got a big post grad background in business, but I think that's one of the lessons I learned latest was you've really got to start to let go to grow. We were talking about that in the podcast yesterday. That yeah, you got to bring the right people on. You mentioned areas that you find most challenging, and you you talk about HR, and you were courageous enough to mention empathy. That that you know you strike me a little bit similar to me. That you know the result, you know where we're heading, you know what you want to get done. How do you deal with, you know, you talk about empathy here and there's obviously going to be people in a bigger organisation that maybe not always pulling at the same rate or they're not seeing the big picture. Talk us through that empathy piece for you. How do you deal with your own weaknesses and limitations? Yeah, look, I think empathy is something that doesn't come naturally to me. I'm, not, I'm, I'm very easily a black and white person. Well, so. you've got, you got two little kids now. Right? So two little kids. So, yeah, the empathy is increasing. <laughs> absolutely. Increasing. Yeah, the, yeah. But it is, it's a skill that you can learn. So yeah. I think it's a, it's really being able to to take the time to to think about the process and 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 being able to step through those your, my decision making processes and and my thought processes with others, but also then being able to to, to bring the right people on board that that are naturally yeah, focused on yeah. the, on that sort of area. So you focus on your strengths and be able to get those that uh, can help out with the areas well, of weakness. Talk about that for a second because there's a lot of confusion where people are going. You know, obviously focus on your strengths, but. Also work, build your weaknesses. You know, guys like Gary Vaynerchuk, one of the sort of big New York entrepreneurs, just says no. He's like, folk, do your strengths and that's it. Where do you sit on that? Like, do you look at areas of weakness in yourself and you want to hustle on that? You, do you want to grow in that? Or are you like, I know what I do well. I know where the results are. I'm doing that. I'm going to hire around everything that's weak. Where do you sit on the weaknesses and the strengths question? On the strengths things, look, I absolutely believe you should play to your strengths. Uh, on the weaknesses side, though, I don't think you can ignore it. You've got to be aware of it. You've got to be mindful of it and its impacts. Yeah. So you, you, you can't hire other people to be you or yeah. to take responsibility for a, a poor action or a poor decision that you make. So yeah. absolutely bring the right people on board to fill those gaps. 
but just be aware of it um, yeah. be mindful and and treat it but yeah focus on your strengths so how do you access that level like you've talked about self-awareness here i look at your life and and the size of the organization that you're you're working with how do you find any time for self-awareness i mean how do you find time for reflection do you journal do you have a couple of key people you talk to is it your wife how do you how do you not fall into the trap of just the manic intensity of what's happening in a bigger organization? How do you... I definitely fall into the trap of the manic intensity you do. of what's happening in a bigger organization. You do. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, Understandable. Um, but taking the time out, look, I mean, I, and, I don't know, you know, that sort of enjoy getting out on the bike and, and going for a mountain bike ride or a, a road bike ride. So just yeah. that, that, taking that hour away to, to think about nothing other than yep, yeah. riding on the bike. It actually gives you that time to get the clear your mind. Yeah. Do you um, think when you're riding... No, to be honest, it's, it's probably probably the complete it's, opposite. Yeah. I'm, I'm just focused on not falling off, yeah. enjoying the experience. Yeah. So Some people would know, uh, uh, regular listeners know, that I, I ride with Pat occasionally. I'm a pretty obsessive rider. And when you're kind of doing 60K an hour and there's nothing to stop you, but a thin a bit of lycra tends to focus the mind on the immediate right around <laughs> you so you get to focus. So back to that. So in that manic busyness of the day, what stops you from when you come in each day – Help people understand, how do you run your time? Like in terms of, do you literally put out fires, crisis management? Are you the kind of guy that gets up super early, maps out some key wins for the day? How do you, what's your own self-leadership like in terms of how you set up your day? Yeah, look, I guess I'm an early starter and an earlier finisher. And I, I suppose one of the, the commitments that I've got to, to, to my wife and family is to, is to be home for dinner each night. Wow. Now. So that means that sort of most mornings I'm, I'm up at four o'clock yeah. into the office. and But again, look, I find those first couple of hours of the day in terms of getting things done that I need to do myself, yeah. absolutely essential. So, good. so it's been able to clear the email, prioritize what's on the on the agenda for the day and, and see what's up for the rest of the week. And how do you make that decision? Pin you right there, that prioritizing decision. What are some of the filters that you use as a business leader to prioritize what you do in a given day? Because there's so much coming across your radar. What do you, how do you, how do you prioritize? Well, <laughs> it just happens. Like, look, it does. It does sort of happen. I, I guess the, the, there's always an element of squeaky wheel yeah. in that, in terms of what's what's the loudest squeak at the yeah. at, at the time. But it's it's splitting that load between what needs to be done for the day in front, yeah. as well as well, we need to be doing things for for the the, the longer term. You know, yeah. we really can't be focused on the the here and now all the time. And we've got I've got a brilliant team over there. They're able to focus on the on delivering the projects and running them day to day. They'll let me know if something's fundamentally wrong. Otherwise, I'm yeah, confident that they can, they they can, can keep things ticking over. Yeah. And was there a moment, can you look back and see a moment when that transition began for you, when you moved out of that early phase of probably juggling pretty much everything? Do you remember a key time when you began to ease off and just and trust that the people around you were, were taking care of things? Well, to be honest, it's probably something that we still struggle with. We still do. Um, we run a really flat structure. Yeah, uh, so, so being able it. to keep all of us out of out of some of the the day to day activities and and to focus on the bigger picture stuff is a, is a challenge that we're grappling with. So let's talk about that because that's one of the distinctive things. The research I've done on you guys and some of what you've shared here is it that when you were beginning, you looked at at the big four before two thousand and eight at least. You looked at the big groups and you saw these vast corporate structures. Mm-hmm. And was it as simple as going, we need to do something different here? And so talk to us about this. What makes the synergy structure a bit different? Yeah, so look, I think there's, there's, there's a few things that, that, that make us different uh, from those those organisations. The flat structure gives gives people within the teams the ability to influence the the shape and nature of the the work they do and the and the way that they work. Yeah, and also being able to affect the the, the, the direction and the way that the organisation operates. 
often in the larger organizations, any of the multinationals, you, you're just a cog in the, in the bigger picture mm. and, you, and you really don't get to, to shape or, or, or guide, the, guide where the organization's going. Mm. So that's really important to us that people feel empowered to actually, actually make a decision, identify an opportunity, take it and run with it. And is that throughout going through. the organization? You'd say from pretty much anybody in Synergy is what you've just said there. They're able to identify a gap, a lack, a need, a client need and act and action it. Is that way? Define your flat structure for so one us. Of the, one of the one of the things that people struggle with when they they come to us is that we don't have a lot of policies and rules and frameworks no. and other things in place. Yeah, we got a number of principles. Yeah, um, under underpinning um, the key principle which underpins it is common sense, of course. Yeah. So if it's the right decision, one of the one of the problems that people sort of find is that they find these opportunities or they find this initiative. And they go, who do I need to ask? to get approval get to go and do that. Yeah. You're saying, well, look, you don't. Um, <laughs> They're like, please decide for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's, a, it's, a, it's quite confronting, particularly those that come out of the multinational companies. Yeah, they used to be um, just directed around. Yep. And, and also the, the, the speed at which we can change direction. Yeah. So if, if something isn't working or something is burning opportunity, well, we can just we can go and chase it. We can form yeah. a team. We can just go after it straight away. And kick it around. Yeah. There's a few great quotes that come to mind. Uh, US Navy Admiral, Admiral Grace Hopper, you may have heard this one famously said that, that if you have a great idea, just go ahead and do it because it's always easier to, you know, apologize than it is to ask for permission. So it's often better just to have a run. But so how do you manage that? Like, how do you... There's a risk, obviously, inherent. I mean, if this goes too far, everybody's just making decisions all the time. What sorts of checks and balances do you have? Look, we, we have the, the standard sort of performance measures and yeah. monitors in, in place, keeping an eye on who's doing what, whether jobs are profitable, whether they're working. And we keep in touch with our clients. You know, if you're getting, getting that repeat business and people are coming back, it's a good indicator yeah. that the, the quality of work's there. And, and the broader principle of this empowerment of people to do their thing is that from you? When did this emerge in the synergy sort of story? Is, where, where did this? Let's be common. Let's have common sense. Let's let people identify because they're closest to the issues. Where did it come from? Yeah, I think it, it goes to that, that that shared responsibility. One of the, one of the other sort of principles that underpins us is is a one in all in type mentality, which means that we we share the success and we share the failures. Yeah. So it's not about actually sort of holding somebody out to be accountable for a mistake. Yeah. It's about admitting, hey, look, I made a mistake. Yep. Being able to learn from it and, and not doing it again. And not doing um, it so. again. So take us back. We, we talked about the backstory at the start. You're, you're 12 months out of uni. You identify that you don't want to just recreate the wheel or be another kind of cog in that system. When What happened next? So you, you partner up with – is it Anthony? Yeah, Anthony. Yeah. Yeah. And then what do you remember those early conversations? Yeah, look, it was do we, – should we, should we go and just try and create our own firm? We can, yeah. we can see these other, other guys in the market. They're doing it. They don't seem to be – any different or, or better or worse than, than what we could be? Yeah. Let's 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 go and take a take a piece of the market. Do you remember your um, first client? Yeah, first client was the Synergy was Department of Finance. Was it really? Uh, so so we, we, had a, we had a CFO there that, 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 that believed that we could actually do something. Really? Uh, so we did, we did a lot of work on the on the development of the Commonwealth property under the under the Howard oh, really? government there. So we had some some interesting engagements there where where we learned a lot in terms of what what was required to be consultants. Yeah. A lot of stuff that we didn't have any idea about to begin yeah, with. Yeah. Well, certainly, I didn't. And so I worked with some some pretty pretty solid leaders in the public service as well on, yeah. a, on a program which was which was significant. Do you remember being nervous like that first client? I mean, you've you, you've talked about self belief and abundance mentality, but did you have a previous connection there? I mean, did you just knock on doors? How did you get the ball rolling? Well, the the previous connection was through Anthony, my business partner at yeah. the time. I mean, I'm I'm twelve months out of uni. He uh, he was eight or ten years into a professional services career at yeah. that stage, and and he had the had the relationship. 
we were able to leverage that relationship to get that initial opportunity yep. and then being able to deliver quality work meant that we ended up on, on, on panels and, and all the other sort there. of access from there. Yeah. Do you remember at any point being nervous of thinking, how am I, what am I doing here? Or did you always just know that you could make this happen? Oh, no, look, we were, we were absolutely nervous. And, yeah. you know, the, the, the first time that you lose a contract that you thought you were, were yeah. going to win, and you sit back and you go, and look, I, I haven't got any money in the bank. The, uh, <laughs> how am I going to eat? I, I was, I was <laughs> relying right. on that contract. Or yeah. the other, the other thing is, is when you get a significant growth. So you bring five or six people on yeah. and you, and you, you're looking at the, payroll. again, the payroll, the, the, the whip, the debtors, go and look, how am I going to finance this? Yeah. Um, and it is, it's the same thing as yourself. Any, any small businessman knows that cash flow is, is king. king and, and being able to sort of sit back and say, all right, well, I won't get paid for the next three to six months so, in order to, to, to fund the growth and, and off we go. Yeah. And you keep going. I wanted to ask you something. You, you know, you've identified that a lot of these big organizations lose that mobility, they lose that customer focus, they lose that problem solving and all that sort of stuff. How are you guys going to stop that happening to you? Like have you thought about that? Like you're growing fast, you're in a, you're in a good town for this kind of work, you're on an upswing. How do you stop yourself becoming... The, the, the very thing you reacted against what do you how do you yeah, it's, i suppose it's trying to ensure that we can keep the keep keep that agility keep the the ability for people to make decisions within their within their own domain well, people, well, keep that keep that sense of empowerment so yeah. that people actually feel that they they are able to make decisions and that, that we've got the i suppose the platform so that, so the work environment the the, the training the skilling the, the, the leadership development all those things in place just to enable people to, to get on with things so what's the DNA of it? Like they're practical things, but mm. to really create something, a new approach to keep that momentum, is it as simple as that you've just got to keep yourself connected to that founding kind of narrative? Like, I think it's, the, um, it's, it's, it's keeping that passion. Yeah. So being able to keep people excited about turning up to work. Yeah. Um, and it's as silly as, silly as having, having good beer in the fridge yeah. or um, having, having the right coffee in the, in the coffee yeah. machine. Uh, that, that that makes people want to come to work and be proud of turning up to work, yep. or making sure that your your, your mid year functions and your and your quarterly and monthly catch ups and the, the opportunity for people to mingle together yeah. are just great. So uh, so let's talk about that because we, we came up with Jason from when we were talking in the first podcast. Let's talk about your people. Um, we talked again with Jason. If people have heard that first one, where uh, often entrepreneurs are asked you know how do you get staff to care for the business as much as you do and the great example this was again was with gary vaynerchuk who just said you're dreaming you you can't expect someone to care about the business as much as you do this is your thing you founded it but you can get them pretty close so talk to us a little bit about how you value your people what what, what do listeners need to do what are some of the elements that allow you to really care for your people well, I know it's an old adage that we, we put people above firm and client. Yeah. And it's because at the end of the day, we, we are a professional services firm. And if somebody is upset or they, they, they need something, they've got to come first. Yeah. So the, um, and, and we put it in that, in that order in so much as, well, we've got to look after the individual consultants. Then we look after the, the business and the clients come third. And at times, clients will find that quite confronting. Yeah. And when you when you walk in and, and somebody and you're saying, look, I've got to pull this guy out. He can't work there anymore because of whatever whatever yeah. it is that's happened on the particular day. And the client's saying, look, well, can you do something else to help us? You know, well, we, we may or may not be able to, to, to deliver that outcome, but it's, we, we aren't a business without our consultants. So yeah. it's just really sort of showing that belief in them, yeah. uh, backing them and, and, and just demonstrating that on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, so that they feel that they're genuinely supported. They got uh, yeah. that they that they're looked after, 
and that there's good beer in the fridge. Absolutely. I mean, these things are important. What is it? So, and, and you do have you do have some some difficult times where, where people get people get unwell or you have a, a bad business outcome, and then just demonstrating those core beliefs to the team, you're able to sort of show that that you you, you do actually walk the walk. Yeah, it isn't just a theory; it's it's something that you actually believe, and I think people see that. Yeah. Uh, so, so when you demonstrate that behaviour, they go, oh, "Actually, it isn't just words and yeah. theories and, and talk." It's uh, and they can relax. Like once they actually go, you know, something went wrong. I didn't get you know attacked. I didn't get hung from the the, the company flagpole. Absolutely. So I wanted to ask you: Can you look back? I've often shared when our first office was over at the National Press Club, and uh, we were this was about a decade ago, and we'd had a very strong start. And then we hit some, we hit some bumps and there was this moment. My wife Karen was working in the business then and she walked into the office. I had, I had my feet up on the desk. I'd just spoken to my accountant and I had this look that I think only spouses recognize. And she walked in and she had something to ask me and then she just stopped cold and she said, what, what's happened? <laughs> and I just looked at her and I said, we're done. So I reckon it's over. Uh, you know, but it wasn't. And we fought back and we, we had a lot of success after that. Do you look back? Can you remember some key moments? When your faith was tested, when your self-belief was rocked a little bit, where you faced some difficult times. Yeah, look, I, I thought about that for a while around sort of whether whether we we have those key moments, and I think look, we have been somewhat fortunate. We we didn't make the decision to grow until probably sort of eight or nine years ago, and 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 for want of better word, look, we've we've been successful ever since. Yeah. So we haven't had that 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 critical moment that you speak about yeah. where we were saying, hey, look, we're going to board up the, the windows, <laughs> we're going to shut up the doors and, the and walk away. That's it. <laughs> But look, we've definitely had setbacks. We've lost major engagements that we were counting on. And you walk back in the office and you've got a team sitting there going, well, what are we when do now? When do we start? And you go, um, who yeah, likes look, surprises? Actually, guys, yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, the the way that you bounce back from that is, is just keeping that, that positive attitude, like getting everybody on to the, the next assignment and, and being able to just say, hey, yeah, we, we, we don't win them all, but yeah. there are plenty of opportunities out there. You guys are really, really capable. Well, let's let's just focus on tomorrow and not, not worry about what happened yesterday. So that's a leadership thing, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, at the essence of it. So I wanted to ask you, how do you keep your enthusiasm and passion like burnout? I do a lot of work globally around burnout, cynicism. A lot of business owners can get to a point where they're like, you know, they're, they're, they're entrepreneurial, there's a big startup phase, they're having some wins. But then they do burn out and they get cynical and they can crack over time. Where do you place yourself at the moment on that spectrum and, and how do you keep your enthusiasm? Look, I think personally in terms of being able to keep the enthusiasm, it is that we've just got new and different things happening every yeah. day. So being able to keep that diversity of, of skills and people and, and activities on the, on, the, on the go is something that sort of really, really attracts me to turning up to work every day. Yeah, you never know um, what's happening. Well, you're just working. And, and look, to be honest, you know, most of the people in the office are a damn sight smarter than I am, <laughs> um, which, is, which is absolutely the way that, that things yeah. should be. But being able to, to walk in the office and learn something new from somebody every day yeah. is, is, is a brilliant experience. So if that's true... What do you bring? What do you specifically think you bring to that organisation when you're surrounded by people you say are smarter than you in some sense? What do you bring? What's what is it? That's probably the 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 passion and the and the work ethic. Yeah. Also, just the I suppose I do contribute to the the underlying culture of of being able to yeah work hard but but have some fun too. Yeah. Uh, Not to take ourselves too seriously. Yeah. You know, it's not often that well we're not picking on each other for like yeah. For doing something silly, yeah, being, yeah. being a bit stupid, so there's a little um, being able to enjoy work. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. All, all good-hearted. Yep, not not too many upsets. Well, that I, works well. I was talking to one of your staff the other day who remained nameless, and he was talking about how you know there's people in your office that just love spreadsheets. That they're just <laughs> and I just I cracked up. I just thought 
I, I take my hat off. Like there are people, as you well know, who are the world gurus on Excel formulas and stuff. Yeah, we got a guy who participated in the in the world Excel games. That's it was right. a, it's super impressive. There yeah. is such a thing. Absolutely, there is such yeah, a thing. It's concerning. So, are you know, are you a spreadsheet guy? Is there a, from your background in the study? I mean, do you do you like that side of the business? Are you much more focused on? Uh, I mean, pure- Look, I've, I've got I've got the accounting background. Yeah, I, I lived and breathed spreadsheets for years. You did. <laughs> I did get past it after a while though, so, yeah. so moving on to bigger and bigger and better projects yeah. and, and ERP-based systems and, and also, you know, the, the rate at which technology is driving these days, yeah. you know, spreadsheets are a thing of the past. Well, they, it's happening. And I remember when Zero first came out years ago and I was just like, you know, it's like the Alleluia Chorus, you know, ray of sunlight pierced the clouds and I was like, this thing, it's just simple, it's beautiful, yep. it works. And, and uh, You move that to the tableaus and then there's the yep. artificial intelligence-based analytics yeah. tools which are floating out now. It's, it's just super impressive. And just on that stuff, like the, the, the disruptive nature of cloud sourcing and staffing in other countries and stuff, how's that, guys, how's that impacted you guys? I mean, I ask you that because... We've always had the tension between remote staff and people here in the office or in other offices, and I still kind of like having people in the room. Like, yeah, um, look, so do we. I mean, yeah. a lot of what we do isn't a isn't a commoditized product. So we, we we talk about sort of solving wicked problems, which by their inherent nature are, are different every time. Yeah, we find that the I suppose the offshoring models work well to the sausage machine mentality, where yeah. you're processing a similar thing on a regular basis. Yeah. What we do isn't. It isn't the same thing over and over. And, and fundamentally being able to have that relationship, being able to have that interpersonal rapport yeah. uh, with somebody and, and, and genuinely understand what their, their issues and their problems are, yeah. you can't do that offshore or you no. can't do it. Yeah, yeah there's something that's unique. And it's also just having cultures and having people in the room and, and building that, that, that internal culture. So let's talk about some of the key people on your journey. Who are some of the people that have been influential in where you've got to now that you can look back you know, you've got an abundance mentality, but often with abundance goes gratitude. Who are some of the key people that have been part of your journey so far? Yeah, look, I think I think I'd have to start with with Alice, my wife, in terms of being able to be supportive throughout the the, the growth periods. Yeah. And I, I mean, again, you know yourself that uh, doing your doing your eighty, hundred hour weeks when when you need to just to get things done, to get things across the line, takes a takes a big toll on the on the home life and the yeah. and, the, and the ability to sort of spend time at home. Yeah. Having a supportive partner at home uh, certainly makes that a lot easier. Yeah. I think the the business partners. Yeah. So again, being able to think about things differently. So bringing different dynamics, bringing a detailed focus, bringing a, a risk averse focus, yeah. being able to bring a bigger bigger picture strategic focus to to, to synergy has, has been essential. So being able to sort of see that, and again, the the openness and the candor. So being able to just have those conversations, being able to, to nut things out, not always agreeing on 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 the right way, but always being able to walk out of the the, the room with a unified view. So how do you do that? Because I mean, I, yesterday I was talking to someone about I'm a big student in history. Like that was probably Abraham Lincoln's genius. So Lincoln is seen, you know, back Civil War, eighteen, you know, in the eighteen sixties, was seen as the ability to hold together this diverse group of people in his wartime cabinet. I mean, each of them quite individually brilliant. How do you have these difficult conversations? How do you, you know, how do you, what if you're passionate about something the other people don't see it? Are you driving for consensus? Are you expecting to all leave the room, or is it just some people go, look, I don't agree, but I've heard, I've been heard. And I accept we're going to go this way and the cards will fall as they do. Talk us through that, you know, whether people listening have got three staff, 10 staff, 100 staff, how do you work through difficult conversations? How do you leave the room, you know, not with deeply resentful thoughts of cutting people's break lines and things? So how does that I work? Think the, the, a couple of big parts of that is, is, is one is that, that cultural culture of respect in so much as 
there's, there's not a value placed on an opinion or a belief. Yeah. So it isn't that it's uh, because you're a, a bad person. Yeah. It might just be that I disagree with what your uh, what your what your what the the view is on the particular issue that we're discussing on the day. Yeah. So there's no judgment sort of passed in that. So so people feel that 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 ability to be open and, and transparent. Yeah. And absolutely, you, you're not always going to walk out of the room with a consensus view. Yeah. And at times you've just got to go with well, what 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 is the the agreed position yeah. with with some known dissent. If it doesn't work, though, it's also being able to walk back in the room and saying, hey, apologies, no, yeah. I, I was wrong. We'll think about that a little is bit more hard? next time. Oh, absolutely it yeah. is. So being able to admit that. But again, with the, with the right people in the room, it's okay. Yeah. So it's, it's something that people accept. They say, look, appreciate that. Let's get on with what we're doing today. I guess it drives respect, doesn't it? Like if people, I really think it, it must do that, right? If you can go, if you can have difficult conversations. Just that respect is what actually gets people in the room in the first place. Yeah. So you, you, you've got the right team, you've got the right business partners. Look, I think the other big commodity at the moment is is the real capacity to listen, right? Absolutely. Like, you know, the, the older I get, the, the capacity to actually really try and get what the other person's saying. And what I guess for you guys, that's clients too, right? Absolutely. Yeah, well, the, the difference between sort of listening and hearing. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people can sit there and nod, but being able to genuinely understand so with Alice and your kids, how old are your kids now? They're under, they're yeah, under so five. Uh, seven and seven and five. Seven and five. Okay, that's a pretty nice age. You can do stuff at that. They age. are. They're great fun. Yeah, yeah so yeah. two girls, Amara and Willow. Yep. And do they sleep? Yeah, they're great. They're, they've always been brilliant on that, and I think no. that's predominantly uh, no. Alice's Alice's well doing. So. Oh man, regular listeners would know that we we had three kids under three and a half, and and we were we just we it just didn't work. So we literally went, and I'm not making this up, we had over five years until we got a single night's sleep. That's horrendous. Yep. And recently we got a dog, and my wife Karen totally figured out how to train this thing properly. So this thing now sleeps perfectly. It's trained perfectly. And I just said to her, how did we miss this? We can do it with a cavoodle, but we couldn't do it with three children. So I want to ask you, how do you go with switching off? Like you're a guy who's bringing so much, you're a passionate a hard-working, you know, driven kind of guy and building stuff. How do you go with your off switch? Mine's terrible. When I come home, in the, I, I find I'm an introvert by nature. I find it very hard to make that jump between the intensity of the day and then how are you going with that? How's it work? The drive home is always an interesting, interesting uh, time for decompress. me. You know, sort of being able to yeah, decompress, is finalize it, those phone calls. Is it Metallica on full ball, or is it silence, or what do you do? Look, it's yeah, just just listening. To, to be honest, it, when I get in the car, it's normally those those last minute phone calls. So listening really? to the, the the seven or eight voice messages which really? have built up in the last few okay. hours of yeah, the day, yeah. being able to call people back and close close a few things out. Yeah, uh, those things that need to be closed out. Yeah, but I think sort of being able to walk in the door and, and having the the two girls come up and, and give you a hug and and being able to then get on with uh, dinner and baths and all the, yeah, the fun yeah. family things. It does let me switch off for a few hours. Yeah, I'm not going to pretend though that I don't wake up in the middle of the night uh, <laughs> thinking about work. I find saying to someone yesterday on a different podcast, like that, that time of the night after you've had a big day and I read stories to my kids and I was talking to a guy who's an exercise physiologist and we talk about sleep patterns and stuff and uh, how your body needs to get in this wind down routine. And I was like, you know, I go home from work and I read the kids stories and the lights are low and the next thing I know it's like eight o'clock or nine o'clock. You're trying to drag yourself out. So it's a, it's a, it's a challenging season of life building a business and being the age you are and then, but you seem to be keeping it all together really well. Any other key people in Journey? Alice has obviously been a huge part, some of the key partners. Are any other people that are really that you can look back on and say, my story has, has, has something to do with these people? Anyone else? I suppose the my, my broader family. So, so my mum, my dad, yeah. my, my youngest brother. 
being able to to have a good mate like like my youngest brother and, yeah. and to be there as an example and, yeah. and somebody who's who's been successful in business yeah. uh, has been a key driver. So yeah. so being able to sort of turn around and say, hey, look, you can do this too, is is, is a great motivator for me. Um, look, last few questions for you, Pat. I want to ask you, what are you really proud of in in, in what you guys are doing at Synergy? What of all that you're doing? What are you most proud of at the moment? We recently had a planning day, and at the planning day, we, we had Rob DeCostello. We were fortunate oh, yeah. enough to have him come yeah, along yeah, yeah. and talk with us. Yep. And, and one of the, the key, key questions that he sort of put to us was, well, what's, what's your legacy? Yeah. Because that, that's really what you're going to be proudest of at the end of the day. We can, we can all make a dollar, and, and that's, that's neither here nor there. Yep. I think, look, one of the things that, that I'm, I'm proud of is, is being able to provide that platform and that environment for people to excel. Yeah. Uh, so being able to, 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 to be whatever they would like to be as a, as a professional consultant, being able to, to pay their mortgages, being able to put yeah. their kids through great schools, yeah. being able to have a, have a great time doing it and, and do some really meaningful work, uh, yeah. deliver those outcomes. You know, yeah. we're, we're, we're 200 odd people strong now. Yeah. Uh, that's a, that's a lot of, a that's lot of, a lot of families, yeah, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of success in the, in the Canberra market. So, yeah. so just being able to do that is, is fantastic. Yeah. We've got our, we've got our charity and community groups. We've got our other, Initiatives which uh, which which add great value as well, but but to me the the, the real the real motivator the the real success is is all those stories where yeah. people have built a career, they, they they feel proud to come home and say hey I'm a I'm a synergite yeah 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 it's, it's <laughs> nice yeah. mate I think you should be incredibly proud I think the reason I started this podcast was I I'm so passionate about free enterprise for those reasons that it's what you guys and your team and your partners are building that does pay mortgages does put kids through school so I think you guys should be really proud of it. In terms of the product you're delivering for people, what are you proud of? What's the X factor that you guys think you really do bring to clients? I think it's the ability to work with them, so yeah. to genuinely partner with them, as you, you touched on the understanding and the, and the listening before. But being able to to take that, take those issues, deliver those, solve those problems, and and be able to prop those individuals up to to enable their success. Yeah, you know, being able to yeah just do really really solid work. Yeah. It doesn't always have to be the shiniest and the prettiest and the, yeah. the most glossiest, but it's always always top quality, really good substance and, and really helps them solve their problems. I want to ask you something just occurs to me. Alan Weiss is seen as kind of the guru of the consultancy model. He's the guy that moved from billable hours per se to pricing models mm-hmm. around the value. value of projects. Yeah. So where do you sit on that? Because his take is that, it, that once you go to a billable hours model, it's, in, it's immediately inimical to the client because – your job is to try and, well, a less principled provider is going to try and build as many hours as possible, and that's what we see in the legal profession. Your pricing model, your partnership model, how does that work for you guys? I mean, how do you how do you sort of sit on it's that? Complex. It's complex. Yeah. It's actually a really complex argument because I guess the, the concept of value pricing implies an informed buyer that yeah. knows exactly what they want on day one exactly yeah. um so so some of the the really poor traits that we see from consultancies is is they'll price low on a value-based proposition and then yeah. change manage throughout uh, oh, really? and, and gouge off that basis and just grow the scope and yeah look absolutely yeah. absolutely so so we we tend to, to work with our clients we do some value-based pricing but we find that a a, a principle-based approach to, yeah. to time materials and and yeah. is works really really works well really well everyone um, knows where they stand yeah so, my friend, back to DeCostello's thing to wrap up. Mm. What are you building here? There's a great line in the remake of Wall Street. Remember the original Wall Street with Michael Douglas? The remake with Shia or Shia LaBeouf, whatever his name is. It's a, it's a line that always stuck with me there where the evil Gordon Gecko replacement character is doing all this nefarious stuff. And 
the young guy says to him, what's your number? And the guy turns and goes, what do you mean? He goes, well, you guys, he said, you always have a certain dollar amount like that you're going to, and then you'll stop, you know. And this guy turned around and it all paused and there's this dramatic Hollywood moment. He just goes, more. <laughs> that was his number, more. And I was always fascinated. Like, you're not that kind of guy. You, you, you have obviously built very deserved success. And um, what's this legacy question for you? What do you want Synergy to be? When is I don't I don't want to say enough enough. What are you building? What when you're sixty seventy? What do you want to look back on? What's have you thought about that question yet? Or are you just in the process of it's look, just we're, we're just we're just too busy chasing that <laughs> carrot. I think yeah, I think yeah. I feel like that donkey with the the, the stick and the going. string and, and there's the carrot and we just keep chasing it yeah. at the moment. So so certainly haven't haven't thought about stopping and, and, and certainly don't see that in the in the foreseeable future. Yeah. in terms of that growth. I think if we ever got to the stage where we became a, a, a corporate monolith where things were too too yeah. difficult, where people didn't feel empowered, they they weren't able to yeah. uh, to make the decisions and, and make the life choices that they want to, yeah. that would be, be a time to have a serious look at the, the, the way the business worked. Yeah. But for now, yeah, we can, we've can we got a really strong platform, yeah. um, great framework, good culture. Yeah. I can't see it slowing up anytime soon. So uh, And plenty to do. So you're not walking in there tomorrow asking for if anybody can give you some jobs today. There's plenty in front of you. There's a little bit to do. <laughs> Mate, listen, let's wrap up. I just want to encourage everybody listening, especially if you've got any you know, public sector listeners, you've got to check out Synergy. I'm going to have all the links here in the show notes and I'm going to talk about it again in the outro. But Pat, you're a great example of why we love business in the Canberra region. Probably no one ever says this to you, but thanks for having a crack and building something because you are paying mortgages and, and building the community and, and doing something really cool. So no one else, I'm sure Alice tells you from time to time, but thanks for what you're building. Wish you guys absolutely every success and, you know, people are looking for a great employer or, uh, you know, a great business to learn from, then please check out Synergy Group. We'll have all the links there soon. But uh, Pat, thanks so much for coming in. Thank you, Jonathan. Appreciate right. it. Thanks, Phil. Hey guys, Jonathan with you once again. How good was that? I hope you got some value there. I hope you enjoyed hearing Pat's insight, his journey, how they've built the synergy phenomena. And uh, I just hope that there was something in there that's just given you an idea or some motivation to press your own business journey forward. So please make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Please go and check out the links in the show notes. We'll have links to all the synergy stuff. Uh, if you're on social media, please come and check out check us out at, uh, at Instagram. We've got a really good Instagram profile for Canberra Executive Coaching. Uh, three or four times a day just some really good motivation for you in business but all that stuff's in the show notes please check it out subscribe to the podcast share it with people just flick this in an email to someone say hey check out this new podcast we'd love your help with that please reach out to me personally if you'd like some help with mindset coaching or business strategy that's what we're doing at Canberra Executive Coaching and I'd love to just sit down with you meet up with you and just work through some of the challenges that you're facing and see if we can help you get to the next level but that's it for me this week hope you enjoyed it thanks so much Pat if you're listening to this thanks for coming in and making time and for what you're doing at Synergy everybody we're going to have another great interview for you same time next week they come out Mondays I really hope you can enjoy it but for now have a great week on your business journey hustle work hard support your team bring a great product or service to people just add value to people's lives and your business is going to flourish in time so I'm Jonathan Doyle this has been the Canberra Business Podcast speak to you again next week